Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 276 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for sending your Son as the final sacrifice for all our sins. Thank you for making us righteous in your eyes. Teach us more about you and your Son today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see what Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 9. My big takeaway here is that Jesus went against the norm, against the grain in almost every instance. He turns the current belief system upside down. He healed the paralytic and told him his sins were forgiven. The scribes got all in a bunch over this because they thought the only one who could forgive sins was God. We know Jesus was his son and operated in the power of God, but they didn't. Then Jesus chose Matthew, a tax collector, to be his disciple. He ate with many tax collectors who were considered wicked sinners. This upset the Pharisees again. Next, John the Baptist's disciples asked why Jesus' disciples did not fast. I'm sure they felt like his disciples should have to bear the uncomfortable burden of fasting as they did, but Jesus told them otherwise. Moving on, Jesus brought a young girl back to life. But before he did this, he told the crowd around and in the home to leave. He said she was only sleeping. The crowd laughed at him, so he cleared the room. He only wanted believers in the home and in the room with him as he gave her body back to her spirit. Last, he drove out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. The Pharisees falsely accused him of casting out the demon through the help of Satan himself. I don't know about you, but even one of these encounters with unbelieving and sometimes hostile people would have probably been enough for me. I may have been crushed after the first accusation, but Jesus wasn't. We see him go against the grain with every action he took in this chapter. Although Jesus was a man of peace, he demonstrates here that he is also a man of action. He kept going and doing God's will everywhere he went, regardless of the negativity around him. We can learn from him and walk out the call he has on our life without needing the approval of others, and even in the face of adversity. He shows us to continue doing good no matter what. He also shows us the great love he has for us through his healing ministry. He doesn't want to see his people suffer. He doesn't want us to suffer either and is standing by to help us and heal us. Let's see what Paul is writing Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul tells Timothy that people will fall away from their faith and give heed to false teaching. They will stop following God and be misled by the enemy. They will be told not to marry and not to eat certain kinds of food. I am particularly intrigued with verses 4 and 5, which say, For everything God has created is good, and nothing is to be thrown away or refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is hallowed and consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. Paul tells us that thanksgiving and prayer make our food holy. For years, I didn't pray that God would make the food I was eating holy. But as we study his word, he shows us more about what to do to be covered in his blessings. I believe he desires that we ask him to make our food holy, even if the food we are eating is far from it. Since there is nothing he cannot do, he can and will do this for us. Verse 8 is also an important nugget of godly wisdom. For physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training is useful and of value in everything. And in every way, for it holds promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. Yes, we continue learning and training our minds and spirits in the way of the Lord, which is fruitful for us here on earth and will be in heaven. Another golden nugget here is in verse 14. 
Do not neglect the gift which is in you, that special inward endowment which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, by prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands upon you at your ordination. While we may not be ordained, we are all given gifts by God. I appreciate Paul's admonition to not neglect these gifts. Our lives are busy, and we may not take time to develop our gifts. However, Paul tells us not to neglect them. Let's continue striving to develop the spiritual gifts God has given us and use them for his glory. Finally, in verse 16, Paul essentially tells Timothy to stay in his lane. It is easy to get distracted and sidetracked from God's plan. After all, we move through different seasons in life, and different seasons call for a new direction. Occasionally, I find myself drifting off course. I pursue other things than what God has planned. I get involved in something the Lord has asked someone else to do. I veer out of my lane and into someone else's. The Lord gently compasses us back on course. He reminds us to do what he's called us to do and not what he's called someone else to do. He reminds us to stay in our own lane. Verse 16 says, For by so doing you will save both yourself and those who hear you. He will bless us as we do the work that he gives us, and he will bless others through that work. Let us take stock in Paul's advice today. Let's see what Isaiah is prophesying in chapter 61. He is speaking as Jesus here in this chapter. We recognize all the ways Jesus did come to serve. There are numerous references to the New Testament here in these verses that verify this is a prophetic word from the Lord. He came to preach the gospel of good tidings. Jesus came to proclaim the year of God's favor and grant joy to those who mourn. He also came to take away their shame. Jesus shows us his heart in verse 10, which says, I will greatly rejoice in my Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Yes, Jesus came to save us. We praise him for his sacrifice to make sure we are safe and secure in the Lord. In chapter 62, God's promises are rich. Zion is lifted high by the Lord. Judah will be called by another name, Hephzibah, which means my delight is in her. Isaiah says their land will be married or owned and protected by God. The Lord will never give them up to their enemies, nor will he give their food or wine to other nations anymore. And in verse 10, the words cast up and lift up are used. God lifts up his bride. He is the redeemer. We can be exceedingly grateful for the Lord redeems us too. Let's see what we can learn from Psalm 95. The first part of Psalm 95 is a psalm of praise to God. Verse 1 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us praise him today. Verses 8 through 11 talk about the Israelites' hardened hearts. Having read a lot of the Old Testament, we are fresh with the knowledge about their hard hearts. Let us pray God softens our hearts and keeps them soft toward him for the rest of our lives. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your perfect plan to save the nations. Thank you for being the lifter of our heads and sending us a savior for our souls. Help us fully receive the gift of salvation you so mercifully and graciously offer us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.